0: Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Seraph. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Seraphin Show. Today is Wednesday. We are midweek. It is January the 3rd, and we are off and running in 2024. Uh, yesterday, I said a quick thank you to the friends over at Rumble who did something really awesome. They took a, a channel and they migrated it over for Steve Friend. This is the America Radicals podcast, and it is something that we asked them to do, and they literally responded, we don't have a way to do that, but we'll figure it out. And they did. And we're really grateful that they did that because it's kind of awesome for them to be able to branch off on his own. And it's also really cool for me not to have to sit down there and plug in all of this stuff. And then you guys went to go see the American Radicals podcast at AmradPod, rumble.com slash AmradPod. And it wasn't there. And people said, Kyle, did Rumble screw up? I guess that mitigation uh, migration didn't go the way that you hoped it would. Um, but the answer is is that no, that was a Steve Friend error. What you guys don't know is that like cats in bathtubs, Steve Friends, and information technology, they don't mix. They are sworn enemies for life. And so it played a little bit later on that day. Uh, you guys may have seen it last night. If you have not seen the replay, he did a really nice interview with Greg Dillon, who is an FBI whistleblower from way back. Wrote a book called The Thin Blue Lie. I think it's worth your time to go check that one out. These problems are not new. The things we talk about with the FBI, not new. They're not. They've been going on in various formats for a very long time. That's not what we're going to focus on today. Today, we've got a show full of the globalist gay agenda. That sounds like a good old time, and it has nothing to do with the fact that uh, Claudia Gay, the former president now of Harvard University, has decided to resign, citing racial animus and racism. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the clown show that is a global agenda trying to push down a very fringe group of people who should be a protected minority under no circumstances should we either as Americans uh, in the sort of broader context as conservatives and also as Christians, if that's what you are, you shouldn't be looking at people to judge them in that way. I don't think that's going to benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit them. It doesn't benefit you. It doesn't make you any better. But what it does do is we need to at least know what kind of clowns are coming for us and how many people fit into that car and maybe who's packing the car. We're going to talk a little bit about all of those things. I think that is pretty pretty useful, and uh, I think you guys are going to appreciate where we go with this. So, without too much further ado, I want to say thanks to my friends over at the Patriot Coolers. Let's get this thing kicked off. ThePatriotCooler.com. It's at Patriot Coolers with an S on the end of it. You guys can find them on social media. They're on True Social. Yes. Uh, They are also on Twitter, where I am at all the time. Far more time than I would like to be. But, man, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of good eating, as they might say, over on Twitter. Check out PatriotCoolers.com. Use promo code KYLE. That's K-Y-L-E. You'll get 10% off of your orders. Whether it be a stainless steel drinkware tumbler, one of the vacuum-sealed, double-walled, insulated things that can keep drinks hot or cold for hours. How do it know? As my my father-on likes to ask. How do it know? whether to keep it hot or to keep it cold. That's the uh, the brilliance of thermodynamics, y'all. Uh, check out Patriot Coolers. Good stuff, good things, sort of reducing the effect of thermodynamics on your beverage of choice, which is a good thing if you want it to remain the way that it was. Unlike my coffee mug right now, I've got my Catholic Vote coffee mug up here, and it is slowly cooling off to room temperature, which it will be at the end of this game. So, now... Let's get rowdy. Also, I saw some of you guys are just like throwing it out in the chat. My eyeball kind of catches over on there. Uh, the the anti seraphin crew on the social media, mostly on Twitter, are people that are really worried that I'm not supporting Trump. Let it be known, lest anyone have any confusion. I'm not supporting anybody. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a registered Republican. My primary vote is not going to happen. I don't have one. I don't intend to register as a Republican. I will be voting in the general election, assuming we have one, in November, and I'll be voting for whoever is not a Joe Biden or whoever is the leftist replacement for him. That's very clear. Under no circumstances am I voting for some lunatic that wants to run our kids off a cliff and thinks that gender is negotiable and that uh, our kids should be trans and all this kind of stuff. That's easy. But I'm not really getting into this like Republican mudslinging nonsense. I just don't care. I actually don't. They're all going to be equally good for me, except Chris Christie and Nikki Haley. They seem awful. And uh, we're actually going to talk about a little bit of that later on in the show. Before we get into any of that nonsense, I don't want to get sideways. Let's talk about lawsuits. Let's talk about things where real information and real problems either arise or are fought. And they are currently being fought right now by the uh, state of Texas on behalf of doctors in Texas, on behalf of medical personnel in Texas. Here's what we're looking at. This one came from Catholic Votes uh, Loop, so if you're not getting that, you guys are missing out. I'll talk about them a little bit later. But this is the state of Texas versus Becerra. Javier Becerra, the uh, the secretary over at, what, Health and Human Services, is trying to force the Texas government to in basically adopt an expanded version of the federal law, which was known as EMTALA, which we'll talk about in just a second. They're trying to say that emergency room doctors must perform abortions, even if it violates their conscience or their religious beliefs. This particular uh, article that you guys are going to see little pieces of, and I'm going to read from just a little bit, uh, comes from the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is a good organization from everything I can tell. They're involved in sort of like counter lawfare, if you will. They're the ones that are kind of fighting back against some of these, these expanded versions, of governmental law, uh, governmental rules rather. This is the, the danger of the administrative state. This is the real administrative state, okay? And we talked about the Administrative Procedures Act long time ago. We should probably do another show on it at some point in the future. It dates back to the 1940s under Truman. And when it was signed into law, what it did was it essentially allowed Congress to shirk a significant amount of its responsibilities by saying, we're going to give you the executive agency, Health and Human Services, Department of Justice, um, Commerce Department. We're going to give you a broad mandate and we're going to leave it up to you the experts, I'm throwing up air quotes right now for you who are listening on the audio podcast, we're gonna leave it up to the experts to determine what it is that we mean under this mandate that we will give you quite broadly. And that is a tyrannical option for people who choose to exercise it. One of the things that I was uh, talking about, I think I did it on a, I don't know where I was talking about this the other day. (laughs) It may have been here. (laughs) All of these things end up running together. But the scary thing is, is that we have a, this, this sort of ability to have good people in government, and if we believe that it's only going to be good people who use the power, then we are fine. But if bad people get in and choose to exercise authorities that are broader than what they ought to be, then we end up with a tyrannical enforcement of something that is not necessarily on its face dangerous. Leaving it to the quote-unquote experts is not dangerous on its face. This is the reason why most of us have been to doctors when we had something wrong with us. There's a reason why we go to an attorney when we have some sort of legal problem. But when those people abuse their authorities and their knowledge base, when they are going out there and they are deciding to say, I know more than you and I'm going to use it to push an agenda and that agenda is antithetical to what you need, that would be a violation most times of like a fiduciary duty, which is to say they owe you by law a duty to do what is right for you. But how in the hell do they know if they start adding their beliefs about what they think is good for you? And in this case, that's what we're dealing with. They think it is good to force emergency room doctors to perform abortions. It is based on the idea that abortions would be good for these women or that not having abortions or not having the access to them is a problem for these women, which I think is a real, real sad indictment of our culture. But if that's what they're saying... Then we end up in this scenario where you cannot trust the people that are the so-called experts, and you should probably never trust them because they're human beings. And we all have flaws. We all have our own biases. This is literally what the Durham report said about the FBI, that no new policy or rule would change the nature of his report. The problem was is that the men and women who are supposed to be upholding what is called the the, the oath of office and also the sort of like the motto, the fidelity, bravery, and integrity type thing, which is a, a trope, but if you're not upholding those things and you don't act in a brave way, in a way that is um, you know, honorable to the Constitution, if you are not acting with personal integrity, then there's no way that they could make a policy that would make you do that, because people can always do end arounds for policies. In this case, there's kind of a small victory by this group, which I told you, uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom. They have a, a a win in the Fifth Circuit, because the Fifth Circuit has at least put in a, a block an injunction saying that the, the federal government cannot come in and force the state of Texas to act in a way that Texas doesn't want to. In other words, it is upholding the basic traditions of the 10th Amendment, which is what is there for the Bill of Rights. It's upholding this idea that we are dealing in a constitutional republic where the state should be able to make certain laws. I'm going to get into why they decided to try to usurp it, why the federal government keeps pushing this in just a second. We're going to read from their actual statement, which goes back to last year. Actually, it's uh, now it's 18 months ago. And uh, but, but essentially what happened is that this, this is a victory, according to this particular article, for, they said, women, children, and healthcare professionals. It's really a state's rights issue, which is to say that if the state wants to make a more restrictive rule, which is kind of what the Dobbs decision said, leave it to the states to decide this, then the, uh, the federal government should not come in with the heavy hand and push it. Now, what, what in the world is this, this, uh, this law? And that's actually quite relevant. The law is called EMTALA. It's the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. E-M-T-A-L-A. If you need to go find it, that's what you can go do. EMTALA was a backdoor to getting universal healthcare before it was cool. You guys know that? EMTALA takes universal healthcare and it makes it universal healthcare in the most expensive and inefficient way possible. Anybody who's ever worked in emergency medicine, who's ever worked in a, uh, an ER, will actually know. What I'm talking about. We actually already have universal health care in this country. If that's shocking to you, then then pay attention. In 1986, Congress enacted, I've got this right on the screen here if you want to read along. Congress enacted the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, EMTALA, to ensure public access to emergency services regardless of the ability to pay. Section 1867 of the Social Security Act imposes specific obligation on Medicare-participating hospitals that offer emergency services to provide emergency medical screenings. This is where it gets. Okay. So we're, we're still working through what this is. And then a request is made for examination or treatment. Um, the emergency medical condition, whatever that is, including active labor, regardless of an individual's ability to pay the hospitals then are required to provide at least stabilizing treatment for the patient. If The patient is unable to be treated in that hospital in that capacity, then an appropriate transfer should be implemented. What does that actually mean? So let's get into what it means because it's actually relatively important. Like I said, it's broader, than simply whether or not doctors can do abortions or are required to do them in the emergency room. What it means is you cannot refuse treatment whether or not somebody comes in. If a homeless person is hit by a car and they are brought in by ambulance or they wander into the ER and they're bleeding from the head, they must be treated and stabilized to the point where we at least address the life threats, regardless of whether they can pay or not. On its face, that seems really good. The problem is, is when, like I just said, uh, a government wants to expand its ability to talk about something or its, its ability to enforce certain policies. And it uses a law that was designed with pregnant women who may be um, indigent and not have any money and are in the middle of the you know, birth pains and, and labor. It takes those people and it puts them in the same category as women who come in who have like, you know, some sort of um, short term illness. Maybe they broke an arm. And while they're there, they're like, oh, by the way, you're pregnant. And it's like, yeah, I didn't know that. I'd like to end the pregnancy. And the doctor's like, well, I don't think that's related to your broken arm. We want to expand this thing out so that if you notice this condition and and the woman basically is advised like, hey, you know, we're going to do some things. We may have to do some sedatives that could have some effects on your pregnancy. And she was like, yeah, you know what? End the pregnancy. The doctor should not be required to do that. That's what Texas is arguing, that they have a conscience and that they are actually experts. What the government is saying is that overwhelmingly, we are the bigger expert and we want to come in and enforce it on you. And I'm telling you it's bad because even if you think that people should be able to have abortions, which I obviously do not, even if you do, there's a real problem. There's a real issue with whether or not the state at the most high level, the federal government should be pushing that. It does, it's not the way that our Constitution is set up. It's antithetical to the way the American Republic is designed. And it's a continual push towards this agenda, which is about democracy, which is, as I've said many, many times, when you hear democracy, the words tyranny of the majority should come to your mind. Fifty percent plus one. That's a real problem. The other thing that this did is it allowed a bunch of people who are not Americans, who are illegals. Coming in, that allows them to have medical treatment, which it might not be a bad thing, except it puts them into the system and we end up all paying for it. And the reason that they're able to obligate this is specifically what they just said. Medicare participating hospitals. There's a reason why your healthcare costs have gone dramatically up for every two people in the ER. Let's say for every five people that came into the ER that I used to work in. And I spent you know a couple thousand hours in an ER working as a paramedic, watching all the people come in. I also was generally there doing the basic treatments and getting them set up for a doctor to visit them as a paramedic technician. And as I was doing that, what we saw was the registration people from the hospital would come in and get them signed up. And I had guys that had their, you know, had a pack of cigarettes that cost them eight bucks, but they didn't have $5 to make a copay in so that they could get rid of, um, so they could get rid of the possibility of going into collections. And most ERs have similar programs where 24 hours in, they are going to start collections if you don't make any payment whatsoever. And people are happy to be basically in debt for the rest of their life to medical collections, because they're not going to pay anything for it at all. And who pays for it? You who have insurance when you go to the emergency room. That's who does. Anybody who's got insurance, anybody who's got a uh, who actually has any money is going to end up paying. So for every 3 people that come in and don't pay, one person's going to pay for four people. It's just their bill and all the others. That's the worst problem with EMTALA. Like I said, a backdoor to the most expensive version of emergency emergency medical treatment of universal healthcare because they can't be turned away. The number of people in the United States that use emergency care as their primary care is significant. Or you could be like me and just not have any primary care doctor and haven't for years and I just you know try to eat decently. You try to do some basic fitness, try not to be uh, in a bad shape. We're going to get deeper into some of this stuff because this is really one of those scary problems that can come after us. It's going to bite us and we need people like uh, the state of Texas pushing this envelope, keeping the federal government at bay. Before that, let me just say thanks to my buddies over at 4Patriots. You want to talk about self-reliance. This is the way to do it. You need to make sure that you are able to withstand disasters should they come your way. You guys can go to 4Patriots, the number 4Patriots.com, promo code Kyle, or you can go to 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. You'll end up at this page that you see right here with a couple of different easy, relatively inexpensive solutions that are going to solve problems that could come your way. And those problems could involve 72 hours without food. If the basic logistical supply chain of the United States fails, you don't want to be trying to figure out how to do it while you're under the gun. How do you solve those problems in real time? You give yourself a buffer zone so you can think about it and make better choices. You probably can't go hunt, skin, and kill a deer the same day that there's no more food when you decide to go to the grocery store, right? So even if you have a plan that involves, you know, living off the land and foraging or hunting or all those other things, or I don't know, whatever other wild things you guys have decided you're going to go do. You have to make sure that you at least have a buffer zone. You have some insurance policy. This is the way you can do it. You can go to fourpatriots.com slash Kyle or go to fourpatriots.com and use the promo code Kyle. They both do the same thing. They'll give you guys the discounts that are on here. You can see some of these um, prices. They have a retail and a slashed off. That's the promo code, K-Y-L-E. We use the same one everywhere, so you guys never have to remember what it is. fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. Let's keep getting into this. Let's talk a little further um, about this MTALA. Here's the letter that was written by the... uh, That was sent out for people to to be advised from Health and Human Services that they needed to change the way that they did business. And specifically, it comes not from just Health and Human Services, but a subset, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Once the government pries its dirty little face inside of the room where it can start giving orders, it does every single time. And the way that they got involved in this in particular was getting in through the government money for Medicaid and Medicare the so-called entitlements, these things never cease to amaze me how bad they can always be used by an unsuspecting people are using it. And then you have basically a very nefarious actor in the federal government that continues to broaden its scope of authorities that have nothing to do with what should be on there. So we threw a couple things on the um, on the page here. One of them is, tells you what EMTALA is, which we just talked about. Um, if an emergency medical condition is found to exist, the hospital must provide available stabilizing treatment. you see what that says? Available stabilizing treatment. Not what they recommend. Not like, hey, this is the thing that would normally be done. They have to tell people what the available thing is. That's supposed to be part of like informed consent. They're hiding the idea of you must tell them all the options, including abortion, Under this sort of informed consent banner, that's the same informed consent, by the way, that they were willing to completely forego when it came to the COVID vaccines, which we are now hearing the military was actually telling and advising military doctors not to give. They were not giving them the information to make that decision and not giving them the yes or no vote. That's something we're gonna cover long form. I'm actually gonna do an entire series of interviews. We may even just air them after and not be part of the normal show. So you guys can hear the voices of members of the military who were affected by the COVID vax mandate and who are now standing back up. It was always gonna be military second. It was always gonna be civilian service first because the military has so much more on their plate when it comes to the legal aspects of it and the possibility of being actually like thrown in the brig. We talked about this the other day, but this is really, really relevant that we are gonna to continue to tell you this. They sneak these things in. Suddenly they care suddenly they care about informed consent and the second little piece on here is uh the last little line in this memorandum it says if a physician believes that a pregnant patient presenting at an emergency department is experiencing a medical condition as defied by Mtala and that abortion is the stabi- stabilizing treatment necessary that resolves that condition you notice they just kind of switch the language just a little bit it went from the ones that are um that are recommended to the one that is necessary the physician must provide that treatment when state law prohibits abortion and does not include an exemption for the life of the pregnant person. Look at that language. Are we leftists or what? Pregnant person. Or draws exception more narrowly than EMTALA's emergency medical condition definition. And this was the real issue here, folks. More narrowly than EMTALA's emergency medical condition definition what they are trying to accomplish is expanding the definition of emergency it's the same reason why people use the er as their primary care that's it this is what it's about it's government creep it's mission creep it's the same thing in every agency they are always looking to expand their mandate it's the reason why places like cisa decided to declare that your brain was part of the the uh their cognitive infrastructure mandate because they're in charge of infrastructure and your brain is part of their infrastructure how do they say that because they said it that's it we're going to expand the definition of emergency medical condition. Why? Because we need to, because then we can force abortions on the state of Texas, which obviously almost every state, I've never seen a state, but if there is one, please put it in the comments below and I'll go review the laws. If you've ever seen a state that does not have an exemption for the life of the mother, I am I'm I would basically bet everything on it that there's not one of those. And the reason is because the Hippocratic Oath says do no harm first, and the first patient is the one that is there in the room that you can see. The mother may make a different choice. Hey, do this this thing that is more dangerous to me because I want you to save my baby. That's an option, but that is not the default thing. And I've always been trained, and I've trained across national standards for paramedicine, that if you have basically something that's going to save the mother who's the patient in front of you, and something that's going to save the baby, and the mother is... Um, is not able to make a decision. We call it, uh, there's informed consent is when you actually know what's going on and you're cognizant and we know that you actually have an awareness. Um, When you are not aware, we do what's called implied consent. We treat someone as though it is the standard of care that, that normal people would want to be treated in a medical emergency, and that is to save one's life. And that's a real hard decision. That doesn't come up very often, but should it come up, that's what you have to do, okay? And so the idea that there's an informed consent and that the, the mother, you know, is, is not, um, not going to be able to make that decision, we keep, them, we keep them alive by default. So I don't know any state that has this sort of thing that where, the, uh, where they're not going to have an exemption for life. But the real key here, like I said, is that if the state law is more narrow than the federal definition, which they just made up, it's not, it's not a real thing, it's not in law then that's where they're going to go after. And they're going to make, basically try to force these these states to accept a federal definition. And that creeping federalism, folks, is exactly what the founders were fighting against. That was the concern that the anti-federalists had. And the compromise was the Bill of Rights. And you'd think that this is a pretty clear violation of the Tenth Amendment. Uh, I haven't even looked into the arguments. I'm just telling you that there's nothing inside the Constitution. There's nothing inside the powers that are assigned by the Constitution under federal law to impact the way that physicians treat people within their own state. It's just not there. You can read the whole thing. The Constitution's not that long. I recommend you guys do it. You should do it once a year at least. All right. Let's do another story here. These are all going to kind of connect together. This is pushing an agenda. The agenda is kind of interesting. Why it's an agenda is another answer. Um, And then who's funding it is probably the most interesting thing, as usual. You guys know who's behind it all. All right. So this is coming from Daily Wire. I think this is of relevance, too. Not exactly the same topic, but a very similar story. A Kentucky clerk who refused to issue licenses, this is for for gay marriages, uh, following the the SCOTUS decision, must pay over $260,000 in fees to the people that she refused, that she basically fought in court. $260,104 in attorney's fees um, for the attorneys who represented a couple that sued her. This is Kim Davis in Kentucky. She was the former clerk. She refused to offer these licenses. uh, And, you know, even though the, her, 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 her her attorneys said, these are pretty excessive for what we're talking about here. Like that $260,000 is pretty excessive. Um, a U.S. district judge said that uh, that's what it is. That's what you must pay. It's in addition to $100,000 in damages that the jury awarded to Davis, uh, ordered Davis rather to pay to David Emerald and David Moore, a David and David couple who won a lawsuit against her last September. Of course, they're going to repeal it, so it's going to be even more legal fees whenever this ends up being uh, decided at the end of the day. It's not fantastic. These are these, They want to crush people every single way they can. They're always looking, they being sort of like the, the forces that are pushing this agenda down. For a fringe group of people, they are looking, they are outsized representation. They have outsized representation in lawsuits and also in lawyers that are really happy to take these things on in order to try to sue somebody later on and destroy them. It's lawfare. It's ugly. It's pretty nasty. What else is going on out there? I said globalist gay agenda, so I'm not going to leave you hanging on that. Let's talk about uh, – how about this one? This one's fun. Ah, the WHO. Do you guys love the WHO? After COVID, how many people had their eyes open to what the WHO is and what it is not and what it kind of can, can do? the way that it pushes on things. Catholic Vote was reporting here, a couple of different press releases. uh, The World Health Organization pushing the transgender movement with so-called gender affirming care. There's a December 18th press release. That's what that little snapshot is above that you see on the bottom. It is telling us that they have announced uh, development of guidelines for the health of trans and gender diverse. And man, let's just keep creeping these acronyms. Gender diverse people. They have a link in that, that press release to the biographies Of the people who proposed the guidelines. They are part of the guidelines development group. Okay. Uh, The guidelines will provide evidence and implementation. They're going to provide evidence, folks. You heard that right there. They wrote it out there evidence and implementation guidance on health sector interventions aimed at increasing access and utilization of quality and respectful healthcare services by trans and gender diverse people. I'm not even sure that sentence makes sense in and of itself. The guidelines will focus on five areas, the provision of gender-affirming care, including hormones, healthcare worker education and training, that's the indoctrination part of it, and the provision for uh, gender-inclusive care, provisions for healthcare workers who are trans and gender diverse who suffered interpersonal violence based on their needs. What? What? and health policies that support gender inclusive care and legal recognition of self-determined gender identity. Self-determined gender identity is another word that you might call fantasy, the fantasy of where you believe something and everybody else has to join you in believing that. Now, let's just get rowdy for one moment, if you will. And let's let's pull up some of these folks because I had a field day with this. Sometimes you see somebody and you're like, oh my God, who in the hell is this person? Like. How is this person considered an expert? No, 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 no. It's how are all of these people listed. We're gonna just have a little field day here. Let's pull them up and play the game. The first one is Alicia Kruger. She holds a bachelor's degree in pharmacy, so you know she knows what she's talking about. It's from Ponte Grossa, whatever the heck that is, in Brazil, she's a post or a postgraduate diploma, I guess that must be like a master's degree, in clinical and pharmacology, and hospital pharmacology, international university, blah, 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 blah. She lives in Brazil. Okay. She's also known for coordinating the CFF pharmaceutical care working group for the, here's one. I haven't seen this one yet. LGBTQIA PN plus. What do you think the pan, the PN? Pansexual, nonsexual? I don't know. We just have to guess at this point. Another good one. Ayub Hamri. This one's fun. Ayub is a trans and feminist activist based in Morocco. Obviously someone who should be making healthcare policy for the world, right? (laughs) Using they, them pronouns. In 2018, they co-initiate Nassiawad, or whatever the heck that says, a Moroccan LGBTQ women and non-binary group. How well do you think it serves people in Morocco to have that? That sounds fantastic. I just think some of these, like the opening lines of their implant. I'll leave it up there if you guys want to read more of it. There's even more fun. It continues on. Um, How about this one right here? How about Erica? Uh, Castaneos, a trans woman with HIV who lives in Belize, but now lives in the the Netherlands. That seems like an expert. We should definitely get healthcare policy from that person. Her area of expertise includes her being a dude. That's a dude with HIV. So this is a gay man who has HIV, who now lives in the Netherlands, but is from Belize, and uh, has an area of expertise focusing on health issues that you're not gonna believe this. The narcissism in this crew is so, so fun. They focus on what? HIV, human rights, and gender. Why is it that people have been able to make a career out of who they're interested in sexually and they're not porn stars? Maybe that's the thing that we should be pushing forward. It's like, hey, have you ever noticed that like all the people that are trans make a living out of being trans? They're they're shocking narcissists. There's no other way around it. You just can't you can't make it up. It's so bizarre. There's another good one in here. Uh, this one is Felisabel Maria de uh, Aviera Gaspar. She has 11 names. And she used to be the gender advisor for the Ministry of Health of Mozambique. When I think about where is healthcare the most efficient in the world, Mozambique is probably in the top three in my mind. It's usually like uh, the United States, Canada, and Mozambique, right? So this lady was responsible for training healthcare workers on gender and human rights nationwide in the nation of Mozambique, and obviously belongs in a place of you know serious, serious, what do you call it, uh, authority, letting people know how to handle this agenda nationwide. There's more. I'm just going to keep flapping them up there because they, like. it'd be one thing if it was one or two people here that was kind of fringe, like if it was all doctors and they had a couple of people that were activists. No, no, no. It's like half of them are crazy and they're nutty and they have... Insane, insane opening lines of their bio. Florence Ashley is a trans feminine jurist. Anybody know what that is? Please put that in the chat if you understand what a trans feminine jurist is and a bioethicist whose work focuses on. Oh, you're not gonna believe this. Trans issues in the legal and healthcare system. Again, the narcissism, the self reflection, just everything is about me. Canadian lady, I assume, or not uh, trans feminine? I don't know if that's a lady. If that's, a, if that's a man who dresses like a lady, but also still holds ladyness, help me out, folks. I, it's, it's beyond me on this. It keeps going. I got one more at least. <laughs> I got at least one more on here. I scroll through a couple of them. And, uh, and then it's Jan Ariana, which I do like that last name. That's a nice name, Ariana. Uh, Jan Ariana is an empowered transgender woman. So, I mean, why are you guys mad? Why would we be mad about an empowered transgender woman? That's a dude, by the way, who also feels powerful, probably because of the testosterone that he lived with most of his life. That's that male privilege, isn't it? (laughs) Working in advocacy about what? Oh, inclusivity and accessibility of sexual, reproductive, and gender health care for the trans community in the Philippines. That's what I'm also really worried about. This is a man who's worried about sexual, reproductive, and transgender health care for people that basically probably barely exist in the Philippines what fringe is, like, why is this group able to push such an agenda? Like, that actually makes my head hurt. The last one on there, which I didn't even throw on the stage, is um, it's Zakaria. Zakaria Nasser has been involved in trans and queer feminist organizing in Lebanon. And he maybe like, I, I don't know if any of these people are men or if they're women. Like, I don't know what they are. I just read that, and we don't know anything else about them other than they're 100% focused on their own sexuality, which seems pretty awful. That seems very prideful. And that's all that they do. That's their job. Their job is worrying about what to do with their with their nether parts. Some of you who have like real jobs, who listen to this when you're driving with your kids to go to school or, you know, your moms, your dads and your grandparents and you've, you've retired. Like, do any of you have any concept of the idea that you're like, well, based on who I'm attracted to, I'm going to make an entire career out of being a professionally useless human being. That simply is trying to make people also understand who I'm attracted to. I'm going to push that all the way and make that a, a performance. And then more importantly, that performance is actually enough lucrative enough that that can be your full-time employment that you're able to eat. It's bizarre. We're living in some upside down times, folks. So of course, we've got to figure out where is it all coming from? Why does it come out like this? Um, who's Who's paying for this? Other other than us, because obviously we are. And there you go. So I just did, it takes a little bit of work, by the way, to get to these these graphs. You can't just find them right away. These are the donor contributions you're seeing on the screen. If you're missing our Rumble page, that's what you're missing. It's a pie chart. I love pie charts. They're so easy to break it down. It is the donor contributions between the year 2000 and 2020. So all of my adult life, basically before the so-called pandemic, it's about $21 billion in total. And we're going to figure out where... Where does this money come from? Shockingly, only 11.81% of the money for the WHO comes from the United States. And that's only shocking because I just cannot believe that we spend so little. The UK is really into the WHO, though. 23.5%. That seems like a lot. Norway, for as small as Norway is, really does care. At almost the United States contributions, 10.51%. And according to this graph, over the last 20 years or so, or obviously the last three years are not included, you see it, somebody just called it out in the chat, Michelle just called it out, yikes, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, almost 20%, just twice what the U.S. puts in, and almost as much as the single biggest country, more than Brazil, China, Canada, Australia, Denmark, and France combined. Whoa, isn't that something? More than Norway, Oman, Qatar, the Republic of Korea, Russia, and South Africa combined. By the way, on that list, there are a bunch of people from South Africa. I don't know why Africa is so highly represented in the WHO things, maybe because there's a lot of people that are benefiting from it. The WHO claims that they're going to basically provide universal health care for a billion people, and apparently uh, Bill Gates wants to fit the, foot the bill for at least a fifth of that. That's a lot. That's a lot of people to be able to pay for health care. What is he buying for that kind of money? Twenty percent. You guys can do the math on that. Twenty percent of twenty-one billion. What is that about? Uh, about four billion. Is that right? Divided by five. Yikes! 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 That's an awful lot of money. That's an awful lot of money. And you know, then you wonder why he's pushing things like vaccines and some of the other stuff that he's doing, and why he's buying up all the farmland. I'm just saying that the control oligarchy does seem to be a real problem whether it's the guys like soros that are funding all these lawsuits that are pushing things forward on the legal end of it whether it be the bill gates types that are pushing things forward on the pharmaceutical intervention and trying to buy you know a quarter of the world's population or a, an eighth of the world's population so that they can basically experiment and send things down their way force their procedures on them i mean how much influence do you think you get when a country norway and the united states are paying less than you, that the United Kingdom, the, the only biggest contributor or contributor to this particular thing, the single biggest country and the next biggest contributor is a guy. It's the entire government and health apparatus and all the advocacy groups that exist in Great Britain, a Western power, and then Bill Gates, number two. I mean, I just throw my hands up. That's an awful lot of power to be wielding. And the fact that we actually accept them as a non-governmental authority, where do they come from? They came out of the UN, right? They had a mandate, which we fund the UN. So how much of their money comes out of the UN, too? Uh, th- that stuff's really—like a lot of this stuff, they just hide it behind all these different layers. It's like, oh, well, that program is funded by this program, which is funded by this program, which is funded by the United States government, it turns out. Or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Just, It's just dark. It's dark stuff because they're pushing such a fringe interpretation of human experience. And I'm not— I'm not mean to people who happen to dress up like a dude and they're a chick or they're a chick who dresses up like a dude. I say those the same way? If you're a man that puts on a dress, like, I don't care, man. Do whatever you want. That's your problem. You have to deal with that. You can't make me think about it. And if you do it around my kids, I'm going to tell them who you are. Like, no, that's a confused man. And if that upsets you, don't go out in public. It turned out like 20 years ago. Most people that were in that weird little fringe group of people, that tiny little minute group, they just stayed home. It's the reason why I showed you guys the Buffalo Bill thing the other day. You know, there's something, there's something amiss when you decide to put on lipstick and ear piercings and they are outside of the cultural norms for what men do. Like you can wear all those things today and still be considered a man. You're just a weird man. Like weirdos exist everywhere, right? Like just call you a weirdo. We're not mean to you per se. If you check out next to us at the grocery store, it's like, ooh, weirdo but that doesn't mean that we're gonna be discriminatory towards you. It doesn't mean that we're not going to uh, allow you to eat in the restaurant next to us or whatever other weird things. I don't even do that anymore, if I can help it. It's just bizarre that acceptance that we're willing to tolerate has to be moved to the line of celebration. And that's really where I think it comes down to. The agenda is not you can tolerate somebody who's different, which is the American way, it really is. Whether it be a religious difference, whether it be a political difference, you now must celebrate those differences or now you are the problem and we will find you. And when we start putting money behind a large group that has a very official sounding name, it's the World Health Organization. Their logo looks like something that you'd see at a Star Trek for the globalist agenda where everybody gets along in peace and harmony. And yet, what are they doing? They're forcing this most fringe idea and spending God knows how much money. Did you, like that list, by the way, of the biographies of those people that are involved in this activism is, it's like two dozen crazy people. And I gave you one dozen of them very bizarre and very sad. So it's not, it doesn't end there, obviously. Uh, let me say before we get uh, further, let's talk about uh, my friends at Catholic Vote, only because they actually brought this up in the loop. So you guys are missing out. If you're not getting the loop every morning, then you are failing to get it. Uh, Josh Mercer is the guy that's over at Catholic Vote that helps put this together. He does a great job of it. He's coordinating the reporters and the, and the folks that are writing. Their, their own news stories are actually being written. They're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. They're doing news aggregation plus stories, of which are very balanced takes. I highly recommend it. Go to catholicvote.org. Fill in your uh, email address, get the loop. If you're listening to me and you're not getting the loop, then you're you're missing out on some pretty useful information. Uh, Some of it is Catholic-specific. It's all at the bottom. The way that they organize it is great. It's like major news stories running down, and it's faith, family, and freedom are kind of the way that they're all organized out. When you get to the bottom, you'll get like a saint of the day if you're Catholic and you're interested. If you want to know what sort of uh, novenas are being said right now or things like that where people are doing some stuff, that's all at the bottom. So you don't have to be interested in that for it to be a value to you. You're not going to be getting like spammed with a bunch of uh you know attempts to convert you to something you don't want to do. Catholic means universal. These are universal values for most Christians in this country, I think. And they actually fit almost all conservatives. So whether you like it uh, as a Catholic or whether you like it just because you want really good news, check it out. Steve Friend mentioned it as well. Steve Friend's not Catholic, but he's like, man, they're better than the AP. I think they are. Check out CatholicVote.org and uh, just put in that email address and loop me in and you're good to go. Uh, You can also donate at the top right-hand side. There's a green button. Anytime you want to support our show, you are supporting our show by supporting them. If you're looking for a tangible and concrete way, and you can probably mention Kyle Serafin Show sent you, which would be fine. With us, we are really grateful for them. uh, They're fantastic. Okay, so what else is going on with this uh, sort of interesting, fun um, global agenda, right? Is there more stuff going on? You know, I like to find threads. I like to get into it. How about this one? How about these? Ah, man, it just never stops, does it? Uh, The Hill reporting. This is uh, Lauren's, she has an S in front of her name, but Sephora, I think. Uh, Coming out of New Year's Day, migrants taking trains from New Jersey to New York after bus arrivals are restricted, the officials say. Uh Uh-oh. So, Many of you guys know that uh, that Texas Governor Greg Abbott has been basically like throwing people on buses and being like, hey, uh, Texas is full, y'all. Did you want to go somewhere else? Oh, you'd love to go to Nueva York? Done. Done and done. Why don't you hop on this bus and we will drive your butts all the way up there and we won't even charge you. We will take you where you want to go because otherwise you're going to get dropped off in Texas. And these border towns sometimes have only a few thousand people that live there. Okay? Okay and so they don't have the resources or the infrastructure why don't we send you to these big sanctuary cities if you guys are not tracking this you didn't pay attention last year but this is one of the fun little policies that is going out there if you want to make every uh if you want to leave the border open then everybody gets to be a border state and every city that's a sanctuary city gets to experience what places like El Paso and McAllen Texas and Laredo all get to experience every single day and they're doing it in a way um that pays some of these bus operators to go out there and so they were they basically got banned um There was a a new executive order passed by Eric Adams. This is why I brought on guys like Sal Greco the other day, because what's going on in New York does actually affect the rest of the country. If New York says we're a sanctuary city and we believe like all people are people, and love is love and nobody is illegal and all the other BS that they say out there, then they should stand by their principles. And just like, you know, you got 12 million people in your in your urban area. Bring it on, man. What's another couple million people to you? Of course, they got overwhelmed like almost immediately with the stuff, same as we saw in the Martha's Vineyard. Everybody has great principles until it comes into your backyard, which is why this is so important. It's like make everybody feel it and then we either fix it or you guys just enjoy it. So here it is. An executive order was announced last week. Eric Adams is requiring bus operators who are aware they are transporting migrants with fares paid for by a third party, state of Texas, um, (laughs) and are going to provide the city with at least 32 hours notice ahead of their anticipated arrival. Why would they do that? Maybe they'll turn them away. Maybe they'll cause additional problems. Maybe they'll pull them over in route and make it too difficult. Maybe they'll harass these bus operators in other ways. What they are trying to do is stem the flow. And do you think that the people of Texas, do you think the people in these border towns actually have any way do they have any possible way of knowing who the hell's coming across unless they're like listening to Michael Yawn or they're out there following uh, Anthony from Muckraker and try to see what these people are, are telling us? The Ben Burkwams of the world that are running around on the other side of the border going like, oh, God, they're coming. Um, I don't think Texas has a good warning system. And why should New York have a better one? 32 hours ahead of their anticipated arrival. So they're just ignoring it. The, uh, the people that are in New Jersey are like, well, the bus operators just found a way to pass these restrictions. What they're doing is they're just going uh, to the Secaucus Junction and they're taking them to the train station. It's a 15 minute ride. I hope I said that correctly. I'm not from New Jersey, but I've driven that. I've driven past that junction a bunch. 15 minute ride into New York City. They just take them right to the train station. Bloop, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, mucho gusto. Get your butt out there. Jump on and roll to New York City. And so they're not going into New York City. They're not providing 32 hours notice. I'm sure this is coordinated. This is a tit for tat between a governor and uh, and the biggest mayor or the mayor of the biggest city rather in the United States. And it's super funny to watch from the outside for me because, you know, we're dealing with a real crisis, right? There's there's not like a light problem happening there. There's a real problem there. And here's what the real problem looks like. Are you guys ready? Man, look at this thing. Um, Fox News. Here we go. Encounters. For migrants, I, I don't like the term migrants, and neither do you. I understand that. Just reading the headline: Migrants encounters at the southern border hit a record three hundred and two thousand in December. Sources say migrants have been transported uh, across the United States via planes, buses, and uh, and what do they say? Airplanes. Yeah. So planes, trains, and automobiles. They are they're moving at the highest rate. They blew away the last uh, highest month before that. And if my memory recalls, it was like in the low 200s was the biggest month before. They topped 300,000 for the first time in American history. It's, it's like there were years where 300,000 illegals encountered at the border. And by the way, those are the only the ones that are officially encountered. First time migrants only. So these are the people that the, that the CBP and the USBP, Customs Border Protection, and the United States Border Patrol actually encountered. Not the getaways. It's so wild. They had the highest quarter on record and the highest single month on record. (laughs) And and what are they doing about it? You actually saw people in the U.S. House. If you're paying attention, there were people in the House that said, we passed the strongest border protection bill that's ever been passed by the U.S. Congress. And we go like, oh, well, that's really good. That's fantastic. That's good news. Way to go, Republicans. Did it have any chance of ever getting signed into law? No, because it wasn't passed by the Senate, because they don't have enough people there, and Democrats don't seem to care about that. Ain't that something? So the real key in a lot of this stuff is that we have one side that is pushing results. They're putting a lot of money behind it. They are using government infrastructure to push it. And the other side, the Republican side of the coin, is interested in theater. I keep saying the idea that when everybody goes like, whoa, like one people are playing chess and the other people are playing checkers, I disagree with that. I think that Democrats are playing not even the same type of game. In fact, this is actually going to go to our dad joke. Let me, let me bring that up right now. TacP P asked me to do a dad joke of the day, so let me give you the dad joke of the day. What do kids play when they have nothing else to do? Board games. B-O-R-E-D. Board games. Ah, okay. But here's the thing. Democrats are watching Republicans play a board game, right? Checkers, chess, take your pick, cheesy, I don't care. And they're playing Demolition Derby. They are driving a monster truck through the park where everybody has the chess set up. You've seen those boards uh, in a movie somewhere in New York, whatever. People are sitting there moving the, the pieces about. Monster truck drives there. <laughs> Smashes all the tables to bits. That's the game they're playing. They're like, oh, you're playing a board game? You have rules? We don't believe in rules. No. We do not do that. We're just going to flood the zone with people. We're going to flood the zone with lawfare. We're going to flood the money into outside entities that are trying to push forward in here and change the game. Every single, like whatever game you're playing, we're not interested in playing it. We're interested in destroying, which is what's been going on. That's how you get 302,000 people in one month. That's one month. That's December when it's cold and crappy down by the border. They're going through the, uh, all the barricades and they are still getting in. They're still getting into this country at a a rate that is like, what are we going to see in a couple of months when it gets nice out? You know what I mean? How many of these people are going to die en route? How many of these people are going to die waiting to get over that water as the water sort of gets lower and the heat goes up? This might actually be one of the safest times that you could actually crash, even though it's crappy out there, and there are people that are probably getting really sick. They're not generally freezing to death. I don't know if you've ever been to the Rio Grande border, but um, if you've been down to the Rio Grande, anywhere from El Paso all the way down to uh, to Brownsville, it's it's not particularly cold compared to those of you who've lived in real cold. Okay. Yeah, I just saw it. whatever whatever double zero seven just said. The Rio Grande is is frio is real frio. Yeah. Uh, Que frío, indeed. But still, it's not that cold and it's not going to kill you right away. You can get through that kind of stuff. And so it's just wild to watch it. They just don't seem to care whatsoever. Again, always moving the agenda forward, always moving the ball forward. Every single thing here is meant to move an agenda, including the Vatican. Let's call out where it is. This is very interesting to me. We're in the middle of a presidential primary season. I've already told you I could care less. Oh, actually, you know what? I've got a good video of um, Eric Adams before we do all that. Let me play you an Eric Adams video of him talking about um, why New Yorkers need to understand that it's not his fault. Like By the way. If you sign on for the policies, I'm pretty sure it's your fault, bro. But here we go. Let's play Eric Adams because I did want to play this. It's worth hearing. I just like hearing him talk and make defenses of his policies that are so garbage. But here it is.
1: But uh, listen, I am blown away at some of the most intelligent New Yorkers in the city. And when, when I'm moving around the city, I say this over and over again, who are not aware that we can't stop the buses from coming in, it, who are not aware we do, we do not have deportation status who are not aware that we cannot turn those who commit crimes over to ICE. They're just (laughs) rules that everyday New Yorkers are not aware of. And uh, we need to really continue in 2024 educating New Yorkers on the fact that over 57% of those who came in, we were able to self-sustain. That uh, we have been educating a countless number of children that we are operating within the restrictions of not only federal law, but city and state law. So we were dealt a hand using Marsha's poker, analog- poker analogy. We were dealt a hand and we played the hell out of that hand. What this administration has done, uh, international and national leaders have looked at it and said, it's amazing what you, what you have done in this administration. And so this is the hand we were dealt, and everyday New Yorkers who are, who are struggling to make ends meet, they're not weeding through all the layers. All they know is we have a mayor and we have a migrant crisis, and the mayor did not fix that migrant crisis.
0: Can you just can you just give the man credit where it's due? Did you hear what he just said? He's like, you're struggling, you're financially having a problem, you live in New York City, and you're at the bottom of the economic problems. Yeah, so um, it's not my fault. I'm just the mayor, dude. I'm just I'm like people think I'm doing awesome. In fact, people who are not you think that I'm doing great. That's what he that's what he just said. <laughs> he just said it right there. Uh, the arrogance that goes on with this sort of thing it, it, redefine failure as victory and then press on. That's not that is not playing the same type of game. When the Republicans are really just interested, like the news conference would have been a victory for Republicans, from what I can tell. Getting on Fox News and having that done. And uh, by the way, thanks to Viral News New York, NYC, Viral News NYC over on Twitter. If you guys are not following, uh, good account, good dude. We've talked, uh, been in Twitter spaces with him and shared that video. So I was appreciative. When I saw it, I was like, I love it. The guy just refused it. He just said, if you're struggling, you know, you're not giving me credit. I got to go educate you. My job is not to do the thing that I said I would do, not to protect the city, not to do any of the things, not to not to um, take responsibility, God forbid, for the policies that I'm enforcing that are garbage. What I need you to do is understand that other people think I'm doing great. Okay. and then he goes on to say at the end of this, by the way, that it was a federal problem and a federal fix like hallelujah, brother. That's the whole point of sending them all there. Just so you guys know, that is the point. Send them all over there. All right. Um, Last little piece. Like I said, I I did promise you a little a little uh, tasty, tasty bit. The, the Vatican did a, a thing saying that they were going to approve the blessing of irregular unions or something to that effect. They were gonna bless same-sex marriages in certain ways. And so that is also moving. Like the goal of a lot of this stuff, this globalist type agenda, and there's no question in my mind that Pope Francis does that. He is a both a religious but a political figure as well and moves politics. Chris Christie ties his shift on gay marriage to the Vatican, ruling on same-sex marriage blessings. This is coming from the Catholic news agency, CNA, which is actually a pretty good news agency as well. They cover good things. A lot of their topics are pretty focused on this. But when you can get somebody who's at least got a voice in the mainstream, I don't think anybody takes Chris Christie seriously as a political candidate. He's not going to he's not going to be a primary uh, contender. I think he, I mean, I don't even know how Nikki Haley is still in there. I did see a Nikki Haley supporter on, online the other day. That was the first of my of its kind for me. That was novel. If you guys follow the show, you know how weird that is. But anyway, uh, Chris Christie, he was an opponent of same sex marriage, but now he's on the same side. He's he's gotten on online and he cited the Vatican's ruling. So he said, uh, you know, for me, it was still a process to go through the way to change the way that I was uh, raised, both from family perspective, what my mother and father taught me and from a religious perspective, what my church taught me to believe. And so now he's going to say this last uh, he says two weeks, uh, Pope Francis is now allowing the blessings of same-sex couples, even the church is changing. The answer, if you're a conservative, the answer if you're a conservative is that when things are changing, the goal is to conserve what was, which is to say things that work. I'm down with it, changing things that don't work. I'm down with tolerance. But I'm not down with you forcing me to accept it or to change the way that I operate. And so that should be something that we all talk about. Conservatives should be focused on conserving values, period. If not, you're not a conservative. I'm fine with you being a Republican because that doesn't seem to be, like I said, they don't seem to be interested in all that. Um I want to thank all you guys for joining us. If you're joining us on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphim, that's where we do the live chat. That's where you see me referencing for those of you who are watching on uh, X and Twitter. Appreciate you guys joining us there. I think it's cool that the people can watch it in different venues. If you ever want to join probably the best live chat on rumble, at least that I've seen, because I've gone gone through a bunch. You can actually understand it. It goes quickly. The, uh, the debates and the, and the, Conversation is of of substance and actually adds value, so you probably have to watch the show twice. But uh, our live chat is the best, and they are on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphim. Give us a thumbs up right there. Also, you might as well sign up for the AMRAD pod. AMRAD pod, it's rumble.com slash AMRAD pod. The American Radicals, which is my friend Garrett O'Boyle and my friend Steve Friend, Two great guys. Let's talk about that since we're talking about Garrett. Boom. There's the merch store if you guys want to continue to add it. If you want an OD green PT shirt, I think he's selling these. Sometimes I don't know if these are even available, guys. I, I put on a shirt every morning because Garrett sent me a stack of them, and he said some of these are one-offs, but he didn't tell me which ones are, and I don't know which ones you can't buy. I think you can buy this one. PT shirt, stenciled on, the, uh, says suspendable on the back of it. It's a really good looking shirt. Feels really good. It's soft. We get overwhelming. People are just like appreciative of being able to support Garrett. Doesn't benefit me financially whatsoever, but you guys have driven significant traffic to this website, it's the-suspendables.com. If you use my name, you'll save a couple of bucks. Um, Again, the-suspendables.com. You can still buy the pins, you can still buy the hats, the Sherpa hoodies, the heavy-duty ones, those are sold out, I gave one of those to my dad For uh, for Christmas and he said it's going to be his new winter coat same as Garrett Garrett's up in Wisconsin. My dad's down in Arizona. I guess uh, depending on your size and your tolerance for the cold it will work differently. The light duty one is still really good especially if you live in the American South or if you're a layering type person and you want a hoodie. It's a super nice super comfortable uh, very young looking athletic type uh, hoodie. Uh, I wore that one in large. I'm about 185 pounds and 5'8". So for those of you who saw the picture of us on Twitter the other day, which I guess that's the first time you've seen Garrett O'Boyle standing side to side with me and Steve Friend. Steve Friend and I are like decidedly average-sized dudes. Steve's a little less weight than me because he runs a lot. Garrett at, you know, 6-something, six 6'2", six or whatever it is, in 275. Uh, he's a beefcake, no doubt about it. He could probably eat both of us if he could catch us, but I don't think he could. And uh, anyhow, check out, keep his sweatshop going, the dashdispendables.com. I don't know how I started telling on that, but I did. Uh, We'll move on with that. Folks, we're really grateful for all of the uh, five star reviews. We're almost at 900 in about a year, just over a year right now, 900. We didn't hit the 1,000 mark in a year, but man, I am not disappointed at all. And you guys continue to send interesting five-star reviews and what you like about the show, and it's the stuff that I like doing about the show. So I'm really grateful for all of you out there that are listening on the audio platforms, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, whether it's iHeartRadio, and so on. Uh, Please continue to drop those in. You can give us funny conversations. You can give us honest and heartfelt. All those things are good. I read them and I smile about every single one of them, even those of you that are kind of snarky, uh, especially the ones that are poking fun at my buddy, Steve friend, because that is kind of like, that's kind of gold, isn't it? <laughs> Somebody's like, how do you get so big eating all those almonds, stuff like that? Please continue to send the five-star reviews on Apple. If you do them on Spotify and iHeartRadio, I don't see them as much, but I will go start looking for those as well. Maybe we'll start cycling them in. And I know you guys like seeing them on there. Let's pull this one up real quick. This one is from BBS Gran. I think it's BB's Gran, Mama uh, mom of five, five stars. Love Mama five, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, your show is our favorite podcast for the car. Thanks for all that you're doing to bring truth to so many. I love your perspective and I enjoy your sense of humor. Hopefully that continues. The humor cannot change because it's the only way that we are going to be able to do what we're talking about, which can be so dark. Uh, I loved what Andrew Clavin used to always say, laughing their way through the apocalypse or the fall of the Republic. I feel very strongly about that. And I did have a, a rumble rant on here. For those of you who don't know what these are, the rumble rants are the equivalent of like a super chat on the YouTube chat. They're only available if you're live. You're only going to see them live. They are mostly going to be stepping out right there for folks who are watching our live chat as we go. And the uh this one, $10, this is from uh who's this from? This is from Only One Debli says there's not a soul in Congress who has not been compromised from an affair to knowingly downplaying or downright ignoring murder. People need to stop expecting anything from Republicans. I think that fits well into what we've been talking about. I think it's a sentiment that many of us have. So, you know, hold your politicians to account. And that means don't fall in love with politicians, fall in love with the idea of the outcome. The outcome needs to be conservation of the good things that they do. And everything else is irrelevant. How much you like them, however much you think they look good, how much CrossFit they can do, I don't care about any of it. No love for any of them. And that includes Donald Trump. No love. He, he gets, when he does a good job, he gets the attaboys. When he does a bad job, we need to make sure that he is listening to what we are saying. If he's praising Lindsey Graham, of all people, the MAGA folks need to make sure. It's like, look, this is your guy. He's going to represent you. He's going to probably represent me. I'm fairly confident that Donald Trump wins the primary. And if that's the case... I need him to be moving in the right direction, and you guys need him to be moving in the right direction because we don't have time for errors. This thing is a very, very precarious year. The global agenda is not slowing down, so we need someone that's willing to fight, and I don't care if uh, we hurt a little bit of feelings along the way. It doesn't bother me. And that shouldn't bother you at all. You guys, you know what to do. We're going out there. So anyway, thanks so much for joining us for the show. We'll see you again tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Thursday. And then uh, still lining up Steve Friend for the Friendly Friday. So you guys will see that. We'll see you in the morning at 0930 Eastern Time. It's 830 here in Texas, America, streamed live from Liberty Hill. This is the Kyle Seraphin Show. God bless y'all. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Seraphin Show, streamed live weekdays on Rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social,
1: and Instagram at Kyle KyleSerafin.com.